It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Chris, happy Monday. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, just excited for what should be a a great playoff matchup between the Jazz and the Clippers. Uh, Give us kind of your initial thoughts when you found out uh, what the matchup was going to be. You know, certainly I think a tougher one for the Clippers than Dallas would be. Um, The Mavericks are really good, as we saw in that first-round series. But, you know, that that zone, that soft zone they like to play, I think the, the Jazz would have eaten that alive. And... You know, when you are a team predicated on really just one player, you become a lot more defendable, especially to a really good defensive team like Utah. Uh, the Clippers are not without their flaws, but Kawhi and Paul George are two great players. I thought Ty Lue was very impactful in that uh, first-round series, especially the adjustments he made after two games. And, you know, there's just good depth on that Clippers roster. So, you know, this is – this is going to be the real test, I think, of, of Jazz and, and just how good they are going up against a team with players the caliber of Kawhi and Paul George in this one. So what's the best way to beat those guys, Chris? I mean, you just kind of stick with what you do, right? You don't tailor any kind of new offense or defense to to what you're you're doing. I think it'll be really interesting to see how Donovan Mitchell plays against two guys in Kawhi and PG that are elite defenders. Um, you know, Luka Doncic obviously played well, but he is a special offensive player. And, you know, just like this is a big overall test for the Jazz, it will be a big overall test for Mitchell, especially in fourth quarter situations where he's going to be counted on many times to get a bucket. And when he's doing it, he's going to be staring down one of the best defenders uh, in the league at that given time. It's not going to be all about that. I mean, you know, Donovan's not a one-man band in the same way Luca was. You know, the three-point shot's going to be important. Mike Conley's health is going to be important. But, um, you know, those situations, I think, are going to be big. You know, can he get a bucket the same way Luca was able to get a bucket in the game Dallas won? Chris Mannix uh, is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Chris, Paul George, uh, what do you, uh, the last time the Jazz faced Paul George in the playoffs, it was that showdown with Oklahoma City. He and Joe Ingles kind of forged a rivalry, and he had named himself Playoff P before the series. And then it's kind of been hit and miss with him in the playoffs. What do you expect out of him? Yeah, that was not a good nickname to self-style yourself with. No. Um, that, that's, that puts a lot of pressure on you if you don't succeed. In the aftermath of that series, he didn't really. Um, not in Oklahoma City, not in L.A., last year um look he had a phenomenal regular season i mean he he really answered the bell this year and and came out and shot the three well you know played at an all-star level uh but you know it was hit or miss in that first round series uh against dallas uh really good games three and four but you know Kawhi was the story in game six and seven um you know i think it's going to be important for paul on both ends like he's going to have to get in the face of, of joe ingles or whoever it is He's defending. He's going to have to make shots as Quinn Snyder and, and that team sort of veer the defense towards um, you know Kawhi Leonard, especially without a real defensive stopper out there in the perimeter. Royce O'Neal's very good. Obviously, Rudy backstopping it is everything. But you know, you're going to do some things to try to you know, take the ball out of Kawhi's hands. And when it comes out of his hands, 
know, Paul's going to be a guy that that makes shots. And you know, he, you know, outside of his years in Indiana, he's yet to prove at this point he's uh, reliably able to do it. So I think this is a, you know, for a lot of guys, this is a huge series for Donovan, for Jazz, uh, and for for Paul George. I mean, Kawhi's legacy is fairly secure. You know, he's he's got two championships, he's got two Finals MVPs. Uh, for Paul George, though, he's on a team that you know should make a deep playoff run, and if they don't, and he comes up short. It's uh, it's going to fall on him a lot. Obviously, with this smaller lineup that the Clippers like to use and the switching defense, I wonder how Rudy will react to that, Chris. And I wonder how Donovan will react to it because he's a guy who can take advantage of those situations if he's able to. Rudy, I don't know. Yeah, it'll, it'll be more of a good question with Rudy, and I'll, I'll be curious to see how often – you know, the Clippers go with that. Um, they, they transitioned on the fly in this series against Dallas, that smaller lineup, basically benching Zubac and, and going with that small ball, and it worked. It was a big reason why they won that series. Um, maybe you can do that against a team that doesn't have a dynamic big necessarily. Boban's huge, but he's not dynamic, not in the same way that Rudy is. Um, you know, I, I think on both ends of the floor, Rudy's presence is going to be huge. Like, if they go small and Rudy's out there, he's got to make them pay. You know, in the paint with second chance points, post up opportunities, everything. You've got to, to to pummel whoever it is that's guarding him on the inside, and and defensively, he's going to have to you know show he can defend a little on the perimeter and show he can get back uh, into the lane and, and be a great help side defender. So, you know, there, it'll be a, it'll be a chess match to see, you know, what uh, what you can do with Rudy out there because no question, I mean, the Jazz are at their best when he's giving you 35 minutes in a game. Um, if you have to. to tweak it and play smaller and take him out of the lineup, you know, regardless of what Donovan can do against that small lineup, it's it's, it's not going to make you a better overall team if you're playing without Rudy Gobert. Chris, we missed you last week and uh, want to get a chance to ask you about your reporting uh, with Danny Ainge. And uh, you were all over that story as he steps down and Brad Stevens steps into uh, the front office. But you also had a report about uh, Danny's connection possibly with the the Utah Jazz. Talk to us a little bit about that. Would uh, would you be surprised if he ended up with a role with this franchise? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, Danny can say what he wants. Like, you know, I'm not going to go there. But, of course, he's going to say that. There's no job opening in Utah right now, and there's no upside to saying, yeah, I'd love to, to be out there and work uh, for the Jazz. But his relationship with, with new ownership is well-known. Um, and I think there's been a part of Danny that's wanted to return to Utah in some capacity. I believe he, he recently bought a property out there. Maybe one of his sons is living in it. And I think that's – that's a strong possibility. I don't know what role he would take. I do believe in the short term, I don't think Danny wants to work all that hard. Like he said that himself, and I, I tend to agree with him. He's been 18 straight years of running a franchise. I can understand not wanting to jump right back into taking on a, a significant role with another one. But, you know, could I see Danny in an advisory role in some capacity with the Jazz at some point in the next six months? Yeah, I, I could. I could see that. And there's a lot of people across the league that believe that's, that's going to happen. Um, so, I think, um, you know, I, I don't expect Danny to come in and just swoop in and take somebody's job if it's not available. But um, I do think that having Danny Ainge involved with the Jazz is, is something that, uh, that we'll see. And, look, that's, that's not a bad thing. I think Danny's brilliant. I mean, he's, he's accomplished. He's, he's done a lot in his 18 years with the Celtics, and I think he'll, he'll be doing that in some capacity um, in a new job at some point soon. Chris, I know you were all over it, uh, but uh, Brad Stevens being elevated to that new position, your thoughts on that? 
Uh, didn't love it, not because I don't think Brad Stevens can do the job, but you know I was of the belief and still am of the belief that the Celtics had a shot at Sam Presti. I mean, Sam Presti is arguably the best GM in all of basketball, and he's a guy with deep Boston ties. He grew up in the Boston area. He played college basketball at Emerson, which is a school in downtown Boston. And in, in many ways, I think he looks at the Celtics as being something of a dream job. Um, you know, people point to the contract situation in Oklahoma City. That's not always an issue, especially for a GM that's been in one spot as long as Sam has. I mean, if you're Sam Preston, you've been in Oklahoma City for as long as they've been. You know, but they were the Sonics before he, you know, when he eventually got there. Um, I, I think you've got some wiggle room with ownership to, to get out, especially for a job as good as Boston's. And they never really approached him. They didn't, they didn't approach him, point blank, you know, about – about that job. They just decided to go in-house, elevate Brad Stevens, and now they've got a novice running the front office who is going to make this first coaching hire uh, in, his, uh, in his history. And I, I just don't know how that, that leaves you stronger as a result. It's not, it wasn't surprising that Danny Ainge left. That's been the water supply for months now, that wherever he was going to go, he was not going to be in Boston after this year. But to elevate Brad Stevens without doing any kind of national search – it just shocked me. Like, you know, Brad Stevens had a long-term contract there. Like, he wasn't going anywhere. They weren't going to lose out on Brad Stevens if they uh, decided to go and look around and see what was out there. It just felt a little too knee-jerk for me. And, you know, it, it, they, they're now with the possibility that they may, have, may be going forward without having a guy who is great at his job. And if that's the case, you better hope that you know, Brad is, is the right guy for that gig. Who do you like between the Bucks and the Nets, Chris? Yeah, I, the James Harden injury changes everything, right? Like, I mean, Harden, you can argue, is the most important player in Brooklyn. I mean, he's his facilitating has enabled the big three to operate the way that – at peak level, basically, you know, because he's been able to kind of, you know, take a step back from being this offensive juggernaut we saw in the Western Conference for so many years and be more of a playmaker. I mean, look, his peak years in Houston, he was averaging 20-plus shots per game – this year in the regular season, it was like 16. In the playoffs, it's been like 14. So he's a, you know, he's he's taking a step back there, and you know, not having him there, I mean, that that leaves the door open. Now, you know, Drew Holiday only has to worry about one guy in that backcourt. Now you can focus more defensive attention on Kevin Durant, and you know, not be so worried about the Bruce Browns and, and others. I mean, the, I give the Nets credit. I mean, getting Game One after Harden goes out in the first minute was remarkable. I mean, that's that's a credit to, to Blake Griffin and the role players there that stepped up, but. I think you got to be, you got to still favor Milwaukee in this series. I mean, Harden's going to be out for game two. That kind of hamstring injury, like, I'm not expecting him back. If he's back, it's not close to full strength because you, you, you've seen in the past where guys have had a hamstring issue. They push it in the way back, and all of a sudden they, they re injure it again. Uh, it's happened over and over again. So, you know, this, the door's wide open now, I think, for, for Milwaukee to get to win this series, and I think they're good enough to take it. What's gotten into the Hawks? Yeah, there's an argument to be made that the Hawks are they're really good. Like, I mean, their struggles early in the season had nothing to do with the talent on the roster, but that talent wasn't healthy. You know, they were missing DeAndre Hunter for chunks of the first month and a half of the season. They were missing uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, Bojan Bogdanovic uh, for chunks of the season. Um, you know, they, they just had guys out. And, you know, people point to the coaching change. I think Nate McMillan has been a, a significantly positive influence on that team, but you know, when he took over, that's when they got everybody back. And they went on kind of a run. So you can certainly make the argument that fully healthy this season, the Nets or the, the Hawks would have been a top three team in the Eastern Conference. You could also argue that the Sixers might be you know, one of the lesser top seeds in recent Eastern Conference memory. They're really good and deserve 
to be in that spot. But, you know, Embiid and Simmons, we, we still have questions about their ability to succeed in the postseason. You know, Danny Green defending Trey Young does not work. I, I think that needs to stop going into the next game. Um, you know, Seth Curry, not as experienced in the postseason. I mean, I think they've got some question marks. So, you know, the Hawks claiming home court advantage is big, and I think they've got a real opportunity in this game, too, to, to, to really, you know, put their foot on the neck of, uh, of, of, the, of the Sixers here because that's, that's, uh, that's an opening for them. I mean, I think the Sixers team is vulnerable enough that if Atlanta plays well in this game, too, they're going to have a real chance to win. Just to round out asking about the series, who do you like between the, uh, the Suns and the Nuggets? Uh, yeah, I, I think Phoenix, you know, look, I, I was more disappointed in Portland than impressed with Denver in that first round series. I mean, the Blazers, you know, just blew another great series by Damian Lillard. I mean, how many, how many great games does this guy have to have to, to get this team success in the playoffs? I mean, there was that game he had 30 plus in the first half. They were down 12 at halftime. It's, it's wild to kind of watch how that all played out. This is kind of the series, I think, where the apps of Jamal Murray is is really going to hurt. I mean, Phoenix has great strength in their front court. You know, Aiton has been good all series, all, all postseason, all season long, really. You know, Chris Paul, his experience is going to matter going up against the likes of Monty Morris and others. I mean, Devin Booker's been great. I just, I think Phoenix getting that that first series under their belt going to be a lot more comfortable in this next series. I think this is where the Nuggets get a little bit exposed against a, a more complete team uh, like Phoenix, which has been top 10 in offensive defense for, for most of the season. So, um, you know, this it's been a great ride for Denver, you know, playing without Jamal Murray. But I think that this series is where the, that ride ends. Chris, I'm a little shy about asking this question. In fact, I'm downright scared to ask it, but I will go ahead and proceed anyway. Your thoughts on Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather? I mean, people complaining about what they saw, like, shut up. Like, what were you expecting? Like, if you bought that thing expecting to see some kind of competitive fight, you're a moron. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, you know, Floyd Mayweather, before the fight, did everything but tell you this was going to be stupid. Like, he called it legalized bank robbery. He said he didn't train for it. He said he could beat Logan Paul with his Z game. At some point, the guy's telling you that. Maybe believe him. Maybe understand it's going to be true. And then... If you really wanted to go back and look at Logan Paul's history, he did fight professionally on the zone against KSI, another YouTuber, and lost. So if he's losing to another YouTuber, he's not beating you know, one of the best fighters of this generation. Uh, all that being said, I thought Logan was better than I expected. I mean, he, he achieved what he wanted to achieve. He went the distance with an all-time great, and he did it by using his size. He leaned on him the entire time. He's got 30-plus pounds, 6 inches. 20 years younger, whatever it is, 18 years younger. Like, he just yeah, – he, he did what he had to do to get through that fight. But if there are people, like, asking for their money back, like, go away. Go to bed. Like, the, 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 this is what you were paying for. And if you thought you were paying for something else, think harder. Like, just be better because this is exactly what it was always going to be. As a, as a respected uh, boxing journalist for all these years, Chris, does this kind of exhibition bug you a little bit or not? No, not at all. Like, this is like, this kind of stuff is the new autograph signing. This is a, a name brand athlete capitalizing on his name and trying to tap into another audience that doesn't know him all that well in the younger generation that follow Logan Paul. I mean, if Floyd Mayweather came back professionally and fought some C-level opponent, 
I might be a little miffed at that. I, I don't see the upside in Floyd coming back to fight somebody not named Manny Pacquiao, Earl Spence, or Terrence Crawford. But fought a YouTuber. He did it on pay-per-view. Like, don't buy it. Like, if you don't want to watch it, don't buy it. I, I watched it, you know, because, well, A, it's my job, and B, like, I'm curious to see what Floyd Mayweather has left. And, like, if he looked really, really good, would we see him potentially get back in the ring in a real fight? But it didn't – he wasn't taking a slot away from anybody on Showtime or DAZN or, or Fox. Like, he was just doing a pay-per-view, and if you want to buy it, buy it. If you don't, don't. No, I, I, this to me wasn't a big referendum on the state of boxing. It's, it's more, you know, a, a superstar that maybe used to just go to conventions and sign autographs and do club openings. Now, finding another revenue stream by getting in the ring with someone that has no hope of beating him. Yeah. Well, Chris, as always, thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, let's hope round two is a lot of fun. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, and joins us on Mondays. Um, but real quick on the boxing thing, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of torn on this because I, I hear what Chris is saying right there, but are these sort of like circus act fights really good for the sport? But then the other side of me says, like, if we can let a rock band tour until they're 85 for nostalgia <laughs> purposes, why not a boxer? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I can see purists having a problem with it, but uh, if it's introducing more people to the fight game, then maybe it's not bad for I, boxing. I do think it's funny what Chris said, how Mayweather basically said, like... <laughs> Is, I'm going to do exactly what I ended up doing. This is going to be a farce. Basically, don't buy this. <laughs> <laughs> he basically said it before. And then they, How many millions did they make? You know what? I'm not sure. We'd have to go back and look. But I mean, there's. I mean, I imagine Floyd uh, isn't really in need of more cash unless, you know, life's yep. gotten sloppy. But he's the, the highest paid athlete in the world. I'm sure he doesn't dislike being the highest paid athlete in the world. <laughs> Sure, he's not eager for that to stop. And he doesn't have soon. a problem accepting the check. Would you? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd want to. If I were him, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Because I've already. He's what was he fifty and zero? Why mess around with this stuff? If he wants to, he wants to. And I. That's always been my attitude about guys, older guys who want to keep applying some version of their trade. It's their life. People got mad because Michael Jordan wanted to come back and play for the Wizards. I mean, that's what you want to do? That's what you want to do. It's but your life. Go do it. I, I remember when remember when George Foreman came back how many times? But that was and, legit. He won the title. I yeah. don't think... See, I think there's a difference between... Mark Spitz came back when he was like 50 years old or something. But they're actually competing. This this is just this, an exhibition? This is just a show. It's yeah. not really for the sport. Like, but They said there would be no winner declared, and people still bought the thing. Yeah. I think the comp is the Champions Tour in golf, where they're not competing to be the best in the world anymore. That's just a nostalgia show where you can still go out it's and an watch your... It's competition. And, but you go out and you watch your favorite golfer from yesteryear still get out there and swing it see i i i I give that more competitive credibility than this because those guys were great golfers and they're probably still great golfers and they're out there playing and competing against the best in the world anymore 
Yeah, but that doesn't matter. If that were true, then college football wouldn't exist. You know, I different mean, different discussion. This is well, still pros. Yeah, I I, get I mean, it. you don't. I wonder if a a, a you know <laughs> senior basketball league would work. Well, haven't they tried that? I don't know. Have they? I'm not sure. But I remember. I don't remember this because this was before my time. But. Babe Ruth and some of the uh, great baseball players of that era used to go out on these barnstorming tours, you know? See, that's comparable to the— Yeah. See, and can you fault anybody for doing that? Not really, but is it is it furthering the sport? I don't think so. I mean, it's just a show. It's just interesting that, that, that guys would want to do that who have bank accounts that are overflowing. I could see it more if they, if they were in dire need— but last thing Floyd Mayweather needs is more money. You always say that. There's where is that magical line that it's enough? <laughs> you know what I mean. You know like, it when if, you see it. If if you had a hundred million dollars, Gordon, and somebody came to you and said, "Hey, how would you like a hundred million more?" You're not going to say no. I might, depending upon what it was I had to do. You're not saying no. So I, for I, one I night of work, they said no. we're going to give you a hundred million dollars. Is that what he made? A hundred million? He made more than that when he fought McGregor. I don't know what he made in this one. He made thirty million just off the three sponsors on his shorts yesterday. <laughs> I'm not true? making that up. Yeah, Woo. you're not saying no. Yeah, and if there's no real, I mean, if no one's declaring a winner and a loser, then you're not like it doesn't really matter. All you're doing is going around, and all he did was didn't he just sort of dance around? Yep, that's what he's done anyway his whole career. Propped him up half the fight, but I mean, Gordon, listen, you're not in any hurry to put uh, to tattoo a sponsor's uh, logo on your forehead, Uh, but you and you live a a comfortable, uh, wonderful life. But if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, I'll give you fifty million bucks to do this," you're saying yes. You don't need (laughs) the money, but you're going, yeah. I I suppose maybe you're right. And then you're going to walk around proudly rocking uh, like a a Ford on your forehead. But L-A-K-E-R-S. How much much money did Floyd Mayweather earn through his career? Was it half a billion? I I don't know. He's got, unless he's just squandered his money. I I don't know. Keep adding there, too. Why not? What's the reason not to? Maybe, yeah, he's 44 years old and he's got nothing else to do, maybe. And maybe he's bored, you know? I think it's one of those things where it's just convenient. Well, if he wants to do it, I have no problem with him doing it. I just wonder, my my question is more aimed at why would you want to do it? And you're saying it's about the money. You heard Austin say he made $30 million (laughs) just for three sponsors on his shorts, right? Yeah, well, what's $30 million to somebody that's got a billion? $30 million. Dollars is yeah, thirty million. Taxes, you know, it covers the taxes. It's thirty million dollars. <laughs> it's the same. It's another thirty million dollars. Is he going to do it again? Yes, he made thirty million just off the shorts. Hmm. Didn't lose. It's like Gordon would tell Warren. Still Buffett, gets to say he's the greatest ever. Hey Warren, why are, why are you acquiring that company? You know, you've already got plenty. <laughs> what, what's the deal? And you're like 105 years old. Why why are you still going after it? I suppose you have a pretty strong argument there. Jeff Bezos already owns half the planet. It doesn't look like he's stopping now. Well, he did buy that $500 million yacht. Uh, let's see. He Mayweather, wants another one. Mayweather was guaranteed $10 million and half of the pay-per-view buys. Paul was guaranteed 250000 and 10% of the pay-per-view buys. So let me get this straight. 50% of the pay-per-view? That's, that's be a, a lot that's of a money. Lot. Lo- be a lot. I think they're $50, $50 a pop, right? Logan Paul has 
Did I read he has 66 million followers? Oh, I don't is know. That, is that even possible? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, Kim maybe, Kardashian maybe. has a billion. And, and that's the reason this fight happened, because you you cash in that attention and that following against Floyd Mayweather, and you're, you've got the recipe for a, a windfall. Maybe Floyd just let him, let him sort of exist, and then they can have a rematch. No, make another twenty million. Oh, it's going to happen. Thirty or forty, whatever. Well, his brother's also doing the boxing thing, so maybe he, his brother gets revenge on Floyd Mayweather. It's <laughs> it's it's wrestling at this point. Yeah, 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 that's what it seems like. Yeah. More big show coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.